Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Teacher Takeaway podcast. You are joining me for episode 36 of season three, which is our finale for 2023. Beck, Alice, how are we? Good, James. Good to see you guys. Uh, we're on holidays now. Yay! <laughs> Exciting times. And when we were discussing, we were looking at the episodes for season one and season two, and we added them all up. And it is a hundred episodes now that we have completed. How do you feel, Alice? It's it's really exciting. It's a, it's a big milestone to reach. It is. I remember when we first started, you know, off the initial discussions around starting the podcast and we always spoke about if we were able to help out one teacher, you know, whoever or wherever they may be, that was our goal. And to to now be 100 episodes in, um, it's a pretty cool feeling. It is. It is, it is. And for this episode as well, similar to what we do in our previous end of season wrap-ups, we're going to be reflecting upon the year. We're going to be talking about some of our best bits of 2023, some of the challenges, our teacher takeaway highlights, because we've continued to, to take a different avenue with this season, with interviewing different guests from different sectors, whether that's been um, internationally or locally, um, and again, from a, a wide different range of stakeholders. And then we're going to talk about some of our takeaways moving forward into 2024. Um, our famous thing from Aaron, which we set up, which is talking about something new we're going to try, something we're going to repeat and delete because we didn't find it effective. Beck, 100 episodes in, how do you feel? It's going to get flu, but it also feels like we've been doing it for way more than 100 episodes, like at the same time. Um, I think this is pretty insane, especially with the feedback that we've had, the that goal around, you know, if we've helped one person, that's great. But we get a lot of messages to the socials saying yeah, particular episodes that have helped people. So it's always lovely to get that feedback. I don't know if you guys get the same buzz that I do when that message mm. hits the, um, what do you call it, the Facebook page message yeah. um, when and that on- comes through with people. A hundred percent. And, and to, you know, reflecting and you see different people sharing like through different socials about recommending the podcast. And also I know Aaron shared um, featured in a magazine, which recommended the podcast. So it's, it's really nice to see, you know, like that other people find what we're offering to be of value um, for them and, and supporting them. And, and that was our ultimate goal of the podcast when we, mm-hmm. we set it up. So ditto in that area, Beck. Mm-hmm. So on to our season three finale, best bits of 2023, Beck. I'm going to start with you because you're in a unique position starting last year with planning and the building of the school, but you put it into practice this year. First year as a a foundation deputy principal. Talk to me about your favourite moments first personally, but also to go into it about professionally as well for you, Beck. So, well, favourite moments, obviously, I think have just been the adventure of being in a new state and a new place. Like um, for me and the family, it meant buying a house, coming to a new area, a whole new community, and we found it's a lovely community that we live in. Um, Great people and great, like, amenities in the area. It's um, loving the weather. (laughs) (laughs) Our whole sleep patterns have changed now, being awake very early with the sun (laughs) in the morning, and we find ourselves in bed much earlier 
uh, than what we would have been just because of the the change in in routine and what we do up here. So seeing the kids um, make new friends and do well at school, like all of those things that come with building a new life in a new place. In terms of building a new school, that's a, a whole other community relationship and forging relationships with new staff and kids and the the constant change that is a brand new school because we're growing and building and because it's all new developments around us, pretty much you see new houses pop up, you know you're going to have new enrolments. That's new families. It's a new dynamic. It's a new culture. So the community is constantly changing around our school um, and because we're very strictly catchment managed as well too, it's literally the kids around the school. Like they're the ones biking to school together or on their scooters and they're playing at each other's houses. And every week when there's new kids, there's new friends and there's another dynamic shift or personality shifts and changes and seeing a school that it's kind of like the ocean, those waves continue to roll in. Sometimes they're a bit easier. Sometimes there's big ones that come crashing down and and just having an amazing staff that pull together and work together that all have the same focus and value for what's important for kids has just been a really amazing experience to go through because um, it's, I guess it's not the same as being in an established school where you've got your routine and structure and tradition. We're building it from the start. We don't know what our traditions will be. We don't know what will stick. Um, And just, I guess that constant dialogue around what's important for the kids. It's constantly at the forefront, which is absolutely lovely. That's That's been a highlight, I guess, is the constant conversation is what's best for the kids. Going back to one of your points first, like talking about personally and, you know, the big move with the family and everything like that, is there anything that you would do differently now? I think there's nothing specific that I can think of I would do differently, but in terms of attitude is definitely not having an expectation that we can do it all at once. There's so much that you think you want to do in that first year and what what you're capable of doing, um, you know, just uh, the documents you want to have ready or the, the structures you want to have, even the resources that you want to have, you know, not everything comes in order. Um, like all of our maths orders, came in sort of dribs and drabs just because, you know, COVID still impacted delays and manufacturing and all those kinds of things. So all these ideas around we're going to be doing this in term one, well, you don't have an oval. <laughs> you don't have a hall. <laughs> you, you can't do that. So I think um, even full well knowing, I know things take time and I know you can't do it all in the first year. Um, you still want to get lots done though. Like you still want to do a lot and have things ready for the kids. So I think just maybe that attitude cutting ourselves a bit of slack around it's okay that we can't do that right now we'll get to it when we can would you is there any advice say if there's you know somebody out there listening um looking at a potential move whether that's you know locally or again similar to you interstate is there any piece of advice that you would offer them if they're moving into um a a new school and moving their family something that you you would want them to hear i think the culture piece is the most important piece and I think that's what's made this year feel really fun and exciting instead of just being a lot of work because it is a lot of work and and making a change 
in a school is always going to be a lot of work, even if you're a really experienced teacher and you, you're on track with curriculum or even all the new updates and, and the changes that have happened. If you're all over that, being in any new school is a big change. And I think um, curriculum's always there. Curriculum's always going to be a document that sits there that we have to teach to. We can always update, refresh, and build our knowledge on it. You have your passions, you have your interests, but if you're in a school that doesn't have that same value or um, attitudes to, attitude towards school culture or even work culture more specifically, we're grown-ups that work with other grown-ups as much as we work with kids. If you haven't got that in line, then that other stuff becomes less passionate, less fun, less engaging or less doable if it's not in line with you. And I know that's it's probably really hard to find out what a school culture is like, but if there's a way that you can get a vibe for that, even if it's in like, I don't know, attending school assemblies or um, going to asking for a school tour, like, you know, things like that and um, getting to know the community and what it's like in that space. I think the culture piece is probably more important. Well, it is it's to me at least. It's more valuable to me to know that you're in the right place doing the right thing. Perfect. Thank you for sharing your reflections there, Beck. So Alice, personally first, your best bits of 2023. Um, I think my favorite moment has been um learning to stand up paddleboard. Talk to me more about that. <laughs> so, is there a like it tumor there, Alice? Uh, there's a, a dam. There's a, <laughs> quite a large dam that's part of the uh, the uh, snowy scheme. Yeah. Um, so we quite regularly go up there with the family and go camping and um, mountain biking, all that kind of stuff. And I got a stand-up paddleboard for my birthday. And so I've been learning how to navigate that and... Try not to fall off. <laughs> Are you going to be bringing it back to the coast when you do your next family visit and you're going to be out surfing on your stand-up paddleboard? I don't Alex? know if I'm at that point yet. I don't <laughs> think my balance is quite there yet. But it's kind of it kind of forced me to go, oh, actually, I need to kind of work on a few of the muscles that I don't yeah. normally use <laughs> just to make this a little bit more stable and make, you know, like I found... It's quite interesting that part of my body that hurt the most was the tops of my feet. Yeah, right. Like, oh, like using think, your muscles to grip. Yeah. Oh. So it's kind of like, oh, I've got to kind of, I got to work on my feet. <laughs> just like, <laughs> you can just see Alice in the chair just wriggling a toe, just working <laughs> on paddleboard exercises. Is it inflatable or is it a hard board? No, it's inflatable. So okay. it kind of rolls up like a. Um, like a blow-up mattress and you just get a pump and you just pump it up and then it becomes hard. They're quite cool and it's it's quite easy to get the grasp of when you're on a lake and it's, you know, flat and there's not much wind around. Um, surfing on it would be a, a whole different story, <laughs> Another challenge. a whole different ball game. <laughs> well, well, we'll check in with you mid next year, Alice, and hear how you're going in your stand-up paddleboard adventures. But <laughs> moving professionally... Alice, best bits professionally in 2023 for you. Best bits professionally. I've got a few highlights actually. Um, finishing the Aspiring Principals Leadership Program, that was definitely a major highlight of my year. Um, off the back of that, working with the School Leadership Institute to deliver and put together a middle leaders leadership program for um, the APs, head teachers, APCIs in my network and the neighbouring network. So bringing them together 
um, to work on their leadership and, you know, talk collaborative cultures and uh, social emotional intelligence, all those kinds of things. It's been really, really nice to get that off the ground and make a positive impact not just on the students and the teachers within my school but, you know, kind of providing a platform that helps to develop the leaders in our region, which is really nice. Um, what else has been going on professionally? Definitely a highlight would be currently relieving its principal. That's pretty cool. Very exciting, Alice. <laughs> learning, learning a lot uh, as I go. Um, I have never read so many policy documents in my life <laughs> as I have in the in the past couple of months. But um, no, loving the role and learning a lot. So definitely they're the they're the top three highlights of of 2023 for me. Oh, thank thank you for sharing there, Alice. And as I was reflecting upon hearing both both of your stories, you know, for for myself, highlights personally, you know, something it's I guess to do with feet in similar is dancing. I've been getting ready for um, my upcoming wedding um, towards the beginning of next year and my partner and I have picked up dancing lessons and we started that mid um, this year. So anyone who who knows myself, I have two left feet. So that has been um, a highlight personally because we had one of our final lessons um, actually today and watching the progress of how I myself and my partner in that area and it's something that I've actually enjoyed because it's something that I used to avoid um, as much as I could dancing but you know that's been something that I've really enjoyed doing and something else um, that I've enjoyed doing personally is getting back into the gym Um, something when I was at my first school um, I was living in the same suburb that I was working. So I was able to make it a much more sustainable process. But then in the last nine years, I have not had a routine set up. But for the last four months consistently, I've built a gym routine back up. And, you know, I've, I know I've spoken on this podcast before about the importance of your physical well-being and how that leads into so many different other areas when your physical well-being's in check. And I, I again, I, I preach that because I've just been thinking that I've had so much more clarity and clearer thinking in establishing those routines. So they're two things from a personal perspective. Um, and then from a professional perspective, similar, it's it's hard to again pick one or or nail it down. But similar to what you were saying, Alice, I've started to be part of a lot of different um, networks within the our local area on the central coast. And you know, one which had been a big one on the central coast for a number of years was called Primary Executive Leadership Team. And since about 2019, um, it it kind of shut down over the COVID period, but I, I joined to be a part of that committee and team and really excited to be working with a great group of leaders. And we've got our reconnect conference that we've put together. That's going to be coming to fruition at the beginning of next year and a similar um, project. We've got like a path to leadership, which is a game for aspiring middle uh, leaders on the central coast, but continuing to work with different colleagues and seeing how we have so many great future leaders 
um, coming through. And I guess more personally at the school that I'm working um, at, finishing my second year um, within that space and just the power of relationships, just seeing how well the teachers are going and how far the students are going through having clear systems and processes in place in, in all different areas. It's been really great seeing some of the things that I've been working on with colleagues come to light and, and seeing the impact being made within that space. But challenges, is, is there any key challenges that stand out for you that you faced this year? I know we did touch on a few, you know, when we were talking about things, you know, from a professional perspective, but any challenge that stood out for you this year that you've, you know, you want to talk through that you are over overcame or still um, working on that you think that listeners could take away um, some of the, the things you put in place to overcome that challenge? Something for me that was a challenge was just around um, finding adaptable time management strategies because as much as I've refined them over the years um, in a school that's constantly got new kids um, and our class is changing. So we started the year with four classes and we grew to eight and then next year potentially opening with 13 maybe more, depending on what comes through and it'll keep growing. Yeah. Um, is that I feel like, yeah, I've got all my ducks in a row and then like five new ducks come on board every single week and you don't know what the ducks are and they, or what they bring. So like with the kids and what they bring, because a lot of our uh, families are coming from interstate as well. So they're not necessarily coming with a history or an understanding or a knowledge. So um, there could be people coming from the New South Wales system where they have had uh, autism units or special classes and things like that, and that doesn't exist the same way up here. So a lot of parents don't necessarily have that same understanding of what inclusion models look like up here. So you've got to work with them to build their understanding and their knowledge or they've just come from a different school system where um, – going from year six to year seven is a whole different type of paperwork and process and all of those things. So we're trying to manage all these different um, families with knowledge and understanding as well of, as the needs of the kids. And it's just been my time. I constantly feel like I've got to drop something to reprioritize something. And it's while I could do that before when it was a certain amount of things and a minimal amount of time that those changes were happening, the time management part has been really hard to be able to go um, that can get put off, that can't, that I'm, that needs my time now or that one doesn't. Um, that's been a really hard one to manage when you've spent so many years trying to refine your, your time management strategies <laughs> and your skill sets around prioritising things to have so many, um, you know, balls in the air, so to speak, and then, you know, 20 more of them and knowing what can drop and what can't drop. And sometimes they do drop because something just has to be dropped. Like sometimes you just have to say to the principal, I, I need to know, I need you to tell me which thing is okay to not do so I can prioritize this thing, you know? Um, and luckily I've got like a really good leadership team that um, is supportive in that way in sharing some of that delegation to make sure that if something is absolutely a priority and you can't get to it, someone is getting to it but sometimes things just have to wait. So that's been a bit of a frustration that skill sets that I've developed over the years aren't necessarily as effective when it's this consistent change. That's been a challenge. Yeah, but how good is it that you identified it um, back? You know what I mean? Like that you you could see that there was so many things that you were trying to juggle and that you reflected, 
you know, the usual strategies that you'd normally have in place in managing your time, being in a complete different situation and different things that you're trying to manage um, called for a different thing. Because I often find too time management, that's the first thing that we sometimes become overwhelmed. Then when we're overwhelmed, that leads to stress. Then when we're stressed, that leads to other things that fall down. So I think it's, yeah, such a key one to, to call out. So thank you for sharing that, Beck. How about you, Alice? I think one of the challenges for me this year sits in the wellbeing space. Um, just kind of like I sat yesterday and did a lot of reflecting on on the year and kind of the different, the positives and also the things that weren't so great um, that occurred and looking at, you know, how do I show up? How do I manage my emotions, myself, my well-being when, you know, things get really busy um, personally and professionally and or, you know, things come at you from left of field, looking at, you know, this year I really had to focus and work hard and put in place some some strategies to support my own, you know, mental health and well-being yeah. to be able to show up and give my best um, for family and, and for work. Um, you know, some of the previous practices that I had kind of weren't serving me well anymore. So I kind of had to, you know, sit and reflect and, you know, in some instances do a little bit of learning um, just to kind of give me some new strategies and ways that I could manage workload, manage stresses um, without it being so overwhelming or, you know, overloading and, and you know, leading to burnout. So I didn't kind of get to that point. Um, but that was certainly a challenge for me this year. How did you, and I know we spoke about in one of our, I think it could have been towards the end of term two or three, we were all highlighting wellbeing to be a key area of things that we wanted to put in place. How, or maybe not how, when did you identify that that was something you needed to work on? Was it, you know, you got home one day and it finally hit you going, crap, this is just a bit too much or was it over time that you just got that feeling so you were able to identify it? Because I think it's a key thing to be able to identify it. Yeah, I think I kind of picked up the clues as, you know, time went on, but it was probably around term three when things we had a school performance, um, which was like, you know, six shows, three day shows, three night shows. It's a massive, massive thing at our local theatre. Um, it's huge. It was massive, yeah. And it was kind of when things were starting to ramp up there that I was kind of gone, you know, kind of went to the realisation that, oh, my gosh, I ha- if I don't change something, then I'm going to burn out and I'm gonna going to be good to anybody. So it was kind of one of those things where I was like, well, you know, there are, I have to make changes now. Um, one of the things that I've kind of probably not been the been the best at is kind of juggling work, family with exercise. Yeah. Like, you know, having three young children, they generally are my priority when I leave work. Um, so finding time for myself to do, you know, do an exercise, go for a walk, you know, get on the exercise bike at home or, you know, jump on the mountain bike, whatever it might be, it wasn't kind of something that I was able to sustain, but I kind of got to the point where it's like, well, you know, I need to do something. I need to find an avenue where I can just get out of my head and just, you know, 
reconnect with nature, just, you know, get the body moving, the endorphins flowing just to kind of help switch off and help kind of reset and recharge. So it was, you know, going for walk around the block or jumping on the exercise bike or, you know, going for a walk along the river with the kids and then just doing lots of mindfulness, a um, bit of yoga and reading, kind of coming to the point of a night where I'm like, right, I'm no schoolwork past a certain point for a period of time just to allow my body to kind of recharge. It was, you know, reading things that were unrelated to work in any way um, or it would have been just, you know, mindfully watching movies, <laughs> any kind of movie um, on Netflix or Stan or whatever it might be, just to help switch off and kind of recharge the body, recharge the batteries. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us, Alice, because I think it's a, a good thing for a lot of people to reflect upon because, you know, hearing what you were saying is that you could see that things weren't intact mm. like from a perspective of you know you had one thing that was more consuming everything and you realized you know that you, you know you're a mother of a lot of beautiful children then you've got a lot of personal things and I always refer to it like it's like a, a pie graph if you know in that pie graph if all of you know work is consuming you well that's going to be a flow-on effect like mm. I always like thinking of the analogy like within that you know, pie chart, well, work's only one part of that makes me up. I need time for whatever it is that, you know, makes me happy. And if there's an imbalance in what's going on, well, you need to bring the balance back. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. That's all right. What about you, James? Uh, what's been your challenge? My challenge? Well, something I value in leaders and value in teachers in, in everything is consistency um, because I believe that that's what kids need and that's why we're in education is to make a difference for kids so uh, I value um, consistency in teachers showing up each day and being able to regulate their emotions effectively um, and as well as as leaders as well we, we need to do that um, so one of my challenges has has been obviously living and breathing that myself with you know everything that goes on in a day-to-day um, place and something I value is Dr. Dr. Adam Fraser's work within the third space. And that's something that I, I continue to employ within my daily life because, you know, I could be in a meeting getting abused by a parent, then, you know, going into a different situation, you know, with there could be a fight but going into that situation, then going to have a, a conversation with a teacher about their performance, going into, you know, all these different things continually and something that I value is consistency. So I need to understand when I'm moving from each of that space to space, I need to take that time, that opportunity, to, you know, to reset because no one else, not that no one else cares, but they don't have an understanding of what's going on mm -hmm. and they still deserve my respect and my full attention to everything that goes on. So me being able to effectively regulate as I transition into those spaces, and it could be a little as one minute before I transition into the next one. So just practicing and, and maintaining that consistency within myself um, and, and make sure that I'm showing up because as leaders of a school, we, we set the tone in, in a lot of the different things. So that's been a challenge, like, a, yes, a challenge and, and something that I, I mm. value. So, yeah. And it's definitely an important one. Yeah. yeah. Some, something that, you know, because I'm sure we can all relate to, you know, possibly seeing whether it's, you know, teachers or, or other leader colleagues where they're not effectively regulating their own emotions and then the impact that that can have. Mm. I'm not saying that it's, you know, I'm, 
not saying that you do that 100% of the time, but if there becomes an imbalance, it, it can create um, not, not a productive environment, whether it's in the classroom or within the school. Mm. But moving on to our Teacher Takeaway Podcast highlight episodes for Season 3. Beck, do you want to start us off? What was your favourite episode of the season? So when I look back at it, I feel really bad about the amount of episodes that I missed <laughs> over the year. Busy. Hey, um, it's been a busy time, Beck. I think it was me going back to oh, uni as well, there. I think, impacted it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you identified that and that's why we had our different guests on and different hosts <laughs> took on the different episodes because you effectively utilised your time. That's it. And I suppose I could easily say, like, I really enjoyed um, uh, a guest that I didn't even get to um, speak to, but it's always more engaging, I suppose, when you get to to be the the person on the other side of the camera getting to talk to them. Favourite guest, though, is always Matthew Green. It doesn't matter what the topic is. Matthew is always someone to have a great chat with. And I've, I've spoken to him with the podcast, outside of the podcast, on his podcast as well, too. He's always a great teacher to have a chat with because um, even amongst his experience, his passion just shines through and he loves learning. He always wants to hear what other people are doing, um, not to copy or replicate because he just wants the best for, you know, the kids in his school. He's always an awesome person to talk to. Uh, in terms of episode though, I loved, um, speaking with Bruno for, uh, episode 33. I'm just looking at our list for, um, questioning in maths, just because it was an exciting conversation. I think, um, the fact that he posed me questions and got me almost pretending that I was in a classroom, um, having to answer some questions. Like I was sitting here on the camera being like, Oh my God, don't ask me something really hard. (laughs) 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 It's been a while since I've actually been in the classroom teaching myself. Like don't, don't ask me about long division or something. But (laughs) the whole point was around, I guess, like learning hooks, which is something that I really love embedding into lessons because I feel like sometimes instead of having to, you know, play or act the, our passion so that the kids can get hooked in using a lot of these strategies that just naturally gets kids excited about what they're doing. And the questioning stuff was exactly that, just being able to pose questions in a way that gets kids excited regardless of their interest or ability in mathematics. Um, it was it was differentiated as well too some of the examples that he was giving um I haven't read the book that he recommended yet I can't remember the title of it I've written it down to get it though um but it's one that's definitely on the list because he was saying that a lot of the strategies that he was talking about he's like it's in this book it's in this book so it's definitely one that's on my go-to list to to go and get so it was one of those um conversations where at the beginning when we were you know not recording yet it's like yeah yeah half an hour is fine we can do a quick one it's just the two of us and then I think it was like an hour later it was like like, right, so we need to wrap up now. <laughs> Just one of those conversations that went really quick because it was really engaging. Thank you for sharing that, Beck. Alice, favourite episodes? Oh, I have a lot. I really struggled to choose kind of one, but I found the same, Beck, with um, when we interviewed, it was episode 30, and James, you hosted it with, um, it was a wellbeing episode with David Bott, and he was very similar in the fact that, you know, we kind of said, oh, you know, in short, sharp chat and we were talking for ages but he was also one who posed us questions and you know asked us to reflect and answer things it was kind of like oh like (laughs) I enjoy it though he and he you know I I know he said um to do the reverse he he was going to get us on in in the future with his up-and-coming podcast Mm. but it, it it makes you think differently which I enjoy 
Yeah, yeah. And he had some great insights around well-being and it was kind of an approach and he spun it in a way that we kind of hadn't addressed on the podcast before. It was really nice to kind of take it from a different angle. Um, one of the other guests that we had on and we had him on multiple times this season was Nathaniel Swain. I just love listening to Nathaniel and um, the messages that he has in this in the space of the science of learning and around structured literacy. Um, so episode eight and twenty ooh, and episode eight, and I think it was around maybe fifteen was structured literacy. Um, were definitely they were the two that he was on, and he just. He, you know, he he's very knowledgeable, but I walked away from the, both of those chats going, I've learned something new or, um, you know, that I can apply with my team tomorrow. And it provided a really nice opportunity um, in my role to be able to work with other teachers and, and we were looking at cognitive load and around daily review and um, looking at checking for understanding. So it was kind of nice opportunity to go, hey, team, like, you know, I've just had a chat with Nathaniel Swain. Let's have a listen to what he says and then pull that apart and have a discussion about that. So it was a really nice talking point at work um, around his work. And the last one that I had, which was episode 26, and it was one that Aaron and I just did ourselves um, around curriculum reform. And I really liked that episode because I think for me it was being able to share that vulnerability in the space of curriculum reform and kind of sharing the wins and the, and the challenges that we had and where we were at in that journey and kind of seeing where we'd come from and and that Aaron was at a similar point, you know, when we were at that point in that journey. Um, so it was kind of an affirming conversation but also that ability to share a little bit of vulnerability with our audience. So they're kind of my four, I've gone with four, <laughs> my four top episodes for this season. Oh, thank you, you for James? sharing, Alice. Well, my, my one, I know that I said last season when I spoke to Alice about her book, but this <laughs> season, Beck, I got to speak to you about your book, about Talk and Chalk, 10 Tips for Beginning Teachers in Episode 14. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed um, that, a little plug for Beck's book. Go buy it, Talk and Chalk, 10 Tips for Beginning Teachers. Yeah. Put it in your teacher library. Great book to this have. This is you. not a paid promotion. At some it. point, James, we're going to have to do the, re- you know, get you writing a book and do the same to you. Yeah, that's it. Similar, some somewhere down the line. I <laughs> oh, don't know how I'd go about that. I just like speaking. Um, I mean, how to make but, sure you get to the gym and work regularly. Yeah, that's that's right. what we want. Work that's life right. satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> My second favorite episode was. Um, it was in episode 10 and the title was Effective Collaboration Between Teachers and Teacher Assistants um, and it was Claire Jackson. So what I really enjoyed about my chat um, with Claire is she just had submitted her um, thesis um, for a PhD um, and she was talking about the role of teacher assistants and in New South Wales that's called a school um, learning support officer or it might be called a teacher aide where you are. Um, and I still believe that there is a long way to go with how teacher aides are effectively utilised within schools. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I really enjoyed the the chat that we had within that space, um, hearing about her research and basically what her research um, was telling us, which I'm aware about, that there is so much inconsistency 
across states, across the same systems, how we are utilising teacher assistance. And I think that there's a lot of work in developing, like, yes, we have, you know, standards, you know, ATSL standards that are there that, that clearly align what, you know, this, you know, seven standards, 37 standard descriptors, you know, there of what proficiency looks like across the board for a teacher. You know, there needs to be something in place for school learning support officers. Mm. Um, and I just really enjoyed our chat and it got me thinking and, you know, started, you know, as a result of that, one of our things within our um, the school that I'm working at, one of our professional learning communities rewrote our school learning support officer role statement in collaboration with our teachers and school learning support officers, you know, so different things came from that just my chat with her. So yeah, really enjoyed it. And it was an area that I'm really passionate about um, because I believe that they can make such a huge difference um, that we need to, as school leaders, provide them the support and the training that they need to flourish. Um, so that they, they were my two favourite um, episodes. But moving on into reflecting and planning, I guess, for 2024, something that you're going to start, something you're going to repeat and something you're going to delete. Who wants to start us off? Becca or Alice? Do you know your answers, Alice? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I'll jump in. Um, something new that I will start next year I think will be kind of giving myself time and space to just enjoy the role that I will be in, um, continuing in that relieving principal role. So giving my myself the space to, to find my feet and to, you know, check the temperature of the school and see how things are going, you know, not feeling that need to have everything in place, like you said, Beck, all at once and have everything done. Um, you know, I'm in a caretaker role, so, you know, not changing everything like you know so that's what I'm going to start is just to give myself the time and space to just be <laughs> um and not to be too hard on myself something that I will keep doing stand up paddleboard <laughs> definitely stand up paddleboarding <laughs> I may get into the surf I will <laughs> see how I go <laughs> so, sorry to throw you there <laughs> no, that's all right. maybe you know like the little waves down at the corner <laughs> at your minor beach you know <laughs> little Fun. tiny ones we'll start there start small you know <laughs> that's right achieve success, success scale it up, scale it up. That's, right. yeah, that's what it's all about um I think something that I will keep doing is to keep working on relationships with staff with students with community you know keep being visible and accessible and you know open um to to what the school community is needing um where the staff are at all those kinds of things so keep doing that and then something i will stop doing something i'm going to try and stop doing is kind of being in my head too much <laughs> um oh. Make that your next book, please. <laughs> I was going to say, Alice, tell me the proactive steps steps that you're going to put in place to pre prevent you from doing that. Um, I my current headspace is around. Um, I'm my brain is on overdrive, like all of the time. 
And sometimes I just need to kind of just go, you know, just stop. You don't need to be thinking about that. Um, you know, when when my brain goes to that, you know, the negative space around whatever it might be, trying to flip it to, well, let's look at it from a positive perspective. Let's think of it from a different angle and just to try and, you know, change the narrative. And I, I think it's important to have a plan in place. Uh, I'm trying to think if it was Atomic Habits, the book that I read, oh. and it spoke mm. about habit stacking and you having a plan in place that if you know that that is the habit that you're going to do, having a list of steps that you're going to do to stack those habits. So if that thought enters your mind, well, these are the steps that you're going to do mm. to prevent that from coming. So then you're planned for it. Yeah. I, th- and I like write that. it down. Yeah, yeah. Not just think of it, you've got to write it down. Yeah. So yeah. I like that, Alice. That's that's awesome. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, going for... deep tonight. <laughs> yeah, just digging a little bit deeper. Digging a little bit deeper with the questioning. Yeah. Um, Beck, how about you? Um, there's there's a, a lot of new things that um I'll be trying um next year as we continue to grow, but uh something that kind of ties in with uh what you're talking about with um SLSOs or we call they're called um teacher aides up here is uh, this year I was in charge of any practicum placements. So that included university practicum and anyone getting their 100 hours for their cert three or four uh, for being a a school education assistant. Um, And I treated their pracs very similar where they had information sessions, like additional, they had check-ins with me. They got to have one-on-ones with our business manager to learn about the HR side. They got to meet with the other deputy to talk about curriculum. Um, They got to go visit other classes. So giving both pre-service teachers and pre-service teacher aides um, those same opportunities to learn um, about the school and develop their skill sets while they were there. But it also made me realise there's there's not many um, uh, external supports beyond their service provider for their training. So a university, uh, sorry, a, a pracky, like prac teacher, has their university. A pre-service teacher aide has their service provider. Beyond that, I think I found like one, maybe two Facebook groups that are like support groups. Other than that, I, there were no other services or, or groups or networks or anything um, for a lot of these people to connect and share their experiences. Um, like just just to, you know, ask those questions that you might not be able to ask or that you feel nervous to ask and things like that. So I feel like there's a, a space there to create some kind of network for people that are undergoing training leading into a school, regardless of whether it's to be the teacher in the classroom or the teacher aid in the classroom. So you're, you're right, James, there's definitely a scope there in the fact that we've got all of these um, standards for teachers that really lay out. These are expectations. These are the skill sets you've got to have. It's not quite as clear for any teacher aid who's still trying to um, develop and grow as they um, excel in their career. Like, because we've seen the difference between, you know, someone who's first year teacher aid or someone who's been doing it for 20 years and and the scope and even the different expectations. So I'm curious to, to read your role statement as well too, because um, even across state lines, looking at the the descriptions like up here, teacher aides do playground duty, but they're not allowed to do that in New South Wales as if they're not grown adults with two eyes that can watch a group of kids play on a playground, you know, like what's the differences there. So that's an interesting place to try something new. Um, something I will keep doing um, is the focus that we've had on staff wellbeing. We've tried to make sure that it's more than um, 
you know, coffee, coffee in a van, you know, kind of tokenistic. We're trying to embed staff wellbeing into the everyday practices that we have. So things like making sure people get their entitled breaks and making sure that when someone needs to take leave, they're not judged for it. You know, having those conversations and checking in with people when we know they've got more going on in their life outside the classroom that could be impacting their ability to work, all of those things. I want to keep doing that because I think we did it really well. The feedback that we got from staff was that our leadership team are human and reasonable and understandable and caring and compassionate um, and still dedicated to doing good things for the the students. So I think we'll keep doing that and making sure that we don't drop the ball on that one as we onboard new staff next year. I don't want that to fall aside because I think that's part of the reason we have a good culture piece. Something I will stop doing that's really hard when I'm someone who puts my hands up to <laughs> to do things a lot. Maybe that's what I need to stop doing, stop putting my hands up for things. <laughs> I think um, it's not, maybe it is stopping doing is stop, I guess, letting my ear pick up on things that I'm interested in that are beyond my portfolio scope. So my portfolio is um, behavior, engagement, and well-being. And I've got a variety of things that sit under that umbrella. Um, and my um Peer deputy principal, hers is um, curriculum and inclusion. And sometimes those lines blur, especially when it's behaviour inclusion. Those things can can cross. Uh, But sometimes I'll find myself in this deep and meaningful conversation with her about curriculum, which is important, but it's also beyond my portfolio scope. And sometimes I need to, maybe that's where my time management is. I need to stop the deep and meaningfuls about the curriculum just because I'm passionate and I want to learn more about it. And I just need to be like, this needs to be a conversation for another time while I go back to my to-do list, <laughs> get my <laughs> stuff done. So I think oh. I need to, yeah, maybe um, just keep my my eye on the ball in that scope and and not get too distracted with the other things just because I'm definitely interested and passionate. I've got to maintain a focus. No. <laughs> so I will, I will stop getting distracted by shiny things <laughs> <laughs> well, well i'll check in with you in 10 weeks time to make sure there hasn't been any other shiny things that have come up there it's hard in education i'm literally visiting there things. playing with something shiny <laughs> <laughs> but what it reminds me of uh, um before i go into mine back here what is it dorian the the boat or something don't touch your butt because she sees it and she just wants to go and touch it <laughs> and she gets taken away and that's like you with your time you're going to take it and get taken away yeah um, Funny. Um, something new that I will try um, next year. Um, I had all the time in the world to think upon this, and now here I am. Um, you are actively listening, James. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, I was acti- actively engaged, but I, I think something that I've been working on um, with my other deputy is just our because we're a very transient school with students and as well with staff. Um, as well is just our beginning, not just beginning teacher, but our new induction process for new staff. Um, yes, we have a checklist there that we go through, you know, a certain amount of things. Um, and to be fair, there's a lot of sustainable things that we have in place, but just a more formal process that we have in place saying when this new staff member starts, regardless if they're a beginning teacher or an experienced teacher, a new member to our school who is a teaching staff, a, a central space 
where it checks off everything a new staff member needs to know about our school, then over to another column that's got their buddy, their mentor, their AP. So everyone can see in the one spot what has been covered with that new teacher because sometimes with a new teacher coming to your school and, you know, you make an assumption that they know everything, but they go, oh, didn't you talk to them about that? But having that one central space that we can go in and it might be about attendance processes, curriculum processes, you know, behavior processes. And me as the buddy, I can go, yeah, I spoke to Beck on this page. The AP can put in there just to make sure that we're not missing the mark in supporting our new teachers that are starting in our school. So that's a new project, um, something that I'm going to be working on with our deputy. Again, we've got things in place, but we can just do it better. So I'm really excited to further explore that space. Um Something to repeat doing, my exercise. Um, that's something that I'm going to keep and maintain um, within that space from a personal measure. But something from a professional measure is something that I've valued in doing is um, taking on. So I supervise a group of APs within my role and each term um, I was getting into their classroom and taking a lesson. So whatever the teaching sprint was that that stage was doing, say if it was a guided reading group, updating our warm up, or if it was um, uh, something else within a lesson, I'd model that within their classroom as well because I always want to keep a finger on the pulse in everything that that we're doing. So I want to repeat that um, and keeping my finger on the pulse from a curriculum perspective and being in classrooms and teaching, not just doing my walkthroughs. Um, something that I will stop doing is meaningless admin tasks where possible. Admin um, trivia. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, obviously, you know, in the role as a deputy, there's a lot of administration work, whether it's from enrolments, whether it's, you know, logging um, incidents that take place or child protection, you know, some things we can't get rid of. Um, but working again with my other deputy and just calling out some of the admin things that we don't need to be doing and offloading that to another space so we can free up our time to be doing more meaningful tasks within our role. So um, keen to explore that space. We've already started with, with, you know, getting some things out to free up our time to be more effective and instructional in what our role entails. So looking forward to that into 2024. Team, that, that finishes up and something that I didn't acknowledge at the beginning of the episode, unfortunately, Aaron wasn't here for this episode. Um, he was at his um, daughter's um, dance performance and, and unfortunately wasn't able to join us. But he will be back with us. And on that note, something to, to share with everyone, we will be back for season four of the Teacher Takeaway podcast. I'm sure you're all dying to hear that massive announce, announcement. <laughs> In the meantime, you can catch us. Or oh, any final messages, Beck or Alice, before I wrap it up? Just hope everyone has a, an awesome relaxing break and, and you do you. If you need to start work now before you can rest and relax, do it. No one judges you. If you want to wait till the week before, you do you. <laughs> yeah, safe and happy holidays to everybody. And we do have some exciting guests already lined up for season four. So that's exciting. If you've got any suggestions on who we should have or any topics that we should cover, feel free to send those through. We love seeing those come through our box. 100%. And, and like it on that note too, if there's any feedback that you want to send through or any questions, we always get people who sometimes inbox with questions and, and we work through that. 
But if you want to reach out, our socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all Teacher Takeaway Podcast, we appreciate your ongoing support because, again, our goal is to make a difference for, for any teacher, whether how small or large. But thanks for joining us for another season, episode 100, coming back Woo-hoo. bigger and better for season four. And until then, I'm James Gray with Beck West, Alice Vickers and Aaron Johnson. We'll see you next year for Teacher Takeaway Season 4.